Hey everybody, welcome to Rome is Home with Joe and Viva. Hey everyone, thanks for coming. This is a podcast about just our crazy journey and we just we just thought we we'd like to share our thoughts and our 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 story with you guys. We think it's pretty interesting, so Yeah. Let's see where this goes. Yeah. I mean, uh it's not too often where I guess you meet a couple who's kind of trying to discern to go to Rome and uh Yeah, we thought, you know, that would be kind of interesting to share with folks, especially, you know, we've been married for, what, four years now? Yeah. And uh, we, again, as the title of the podcast is, we're right now at the point of discerning going to Rome. So how does one even do such a thing? What sort of spiritual things does one think through? Yeah, I think we have some good experience that we'd like to uh, to share. And uh, a pretty interesting tale, I think, so. So just, I guess, a quick, quick background, the background of who we are, so just... With my little mistake, you can hear right now that I am actually French-Canadian. So my name is Geneviève, but everybody calls me Viva because it's easier easier to pronounce. Um, so sorry in advance for any little mistakes that I make. And you'll hear Viva say that a lot. She has perfect English, but she's always complaining her English is horrible. But uh, yeah, anyways, not always can be perfect. So some and, humility, eh? Yes, that's right. <laughs> and I'm here with my husband. Yeah, so my name is uh, Joseph Maka, Józef Monka, uh, as it's said in Polish. So I'm Polish, one of 12 kids, born in Poland, came to Canada when I was about three years old. And uh, yeah, crazy, crazy journey from there. Um, I think what we'd like to do, just because my wife and I have pretty pretty erratic, different life journeys, and you know, even how we kind of came together was pretty, pretty wild. Um, we thought we'd like to share in each of these episodes a little bit about us. So you can slowly unravel, like, who are these uh, crazy people we're listening to, and why should we listen to them? So, more to come, but that was just a bit of a taste of, you know, what what we are. That's right, and every podcast will share a topic that's of interest to us in the moment, and uh, and then to finish, you'll get a taste of Joe's famous rants, spiritual rants, yes, on yes. a spiritual topic that is that interests him in the moment. Yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty good at those. Um, and Juvia's a pretty good listener for the most part. She'll, the, the one part I'll like is, though, you, typically whenever we do these, my little spiritual rants should always be like, you know, her classic little thing would be always to uh, transition to something completely unrelated, either something about toilet paper or something really or just... Or lettuce. <laughs> while we're in sort of the depths of talking about what grace is. Be well, like, because I'm a very simple person, so I am, I am a... I strive to be a good Catholic, and, and I like to read spiritual books, but I'm very simple, and my mind goes to very simple places. So I guess the classic example is once you were talking to me about, like, levels of heaven, I think, and I was thinking about grocery shopping and the kind of lettuce that I was supposed to buy, and then and then you were saying, you know, like, I, I was I was telling him about the, like, lettuce, and he, and he was... I do my classic, I, my, my classic glazed look, and I look to the heavens. Like, yeah, he's not listening to me, and then he said... <laughs> Yeah, and you know about heaven. So that I guess it's a classic interaction for us. So as you kind of as we're kind of talking, you can kind of hear just even one thing we're also very passionate about is um, temperaments and how that interplays very importantly in marriage. I also think it interplays very importantly within the church, especially as it relates to the body of Christ. But we'd love to kind of dive into that. We're very passionate for ourselves, for our kids. Temperaments is one of those things where it's like, eh, it's, you know, it's speculation kind of science putting people into boxes but it's it's you know what you can say whatever you want but it's one of those simple things and you know if we read in uh 
the letter from Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 11, where St. Paul talks about some are called to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. The Spirit in some ways forms us to be a certain type, right? And the temperaments is a, you know, it's one of those very simple tools to be able to kind of see like, hey, what are my strengths? What are my... And we'd love to kind of share that in our, in sort of our intro section about like the challenges we've had in marriage and how we've kind of overcome that. And and we've helped each other just especially because of those temperaments. I tend to be a bit more people focused than Joe is and he tends to be very like more introspective and very, I guess. Principle, truth, focus. And again, right. so where, where I kind of struggle sometimes is putting the principle before the person. Um, my wife definitely got has that kind of people focus, which is always that healthy counterbalance to sort of my my zeal for all these things. And uh, but again, together working together as as it's you know a great image of the body of Christ. This is how it ought to be. That is key, the body of Christ. We're really big on the body of Christ as well. So that, that's just a little taste of what we want to talk about. Um, like I guess to, just to. For those who don't know us, I guess we assume that people do know us, but for those who don't, um, like we said, I'm Geneviève, I'm 27 years old, and... 29. My husband is 29, and we have two girls, um, Teresa, who just turned four. 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 Whoa. <laughs> she just turned two. Um, <laughs> Monica turned four months, Monica so maybe turned four months. That's why I'm confused. Mommy brain, it's all good. That's right. She's four and a half months, and uh, I stay at home with them, and uh, they're just they're in such a cute face. I, I, they're so adorable. Yeah. I love them. And I guess for me right now, yeah, as we mentioned, discerning to go to Rome. Why? Um, I'm very passionate about my faith. Want to continue my studies in theology. Again, I could. We've talked about this back and forth about why I study there and other places. I currently actually work at a at a small parish in London, Ontario. I am the business manager, so I look at all the finances. Da da da. Um, prior to that, I was um, chemical engineer at Imperial Oil Exxon Mobil. So that's my background engineering, but I think as, as time went on, found an emptiness there that you know has been slowly drawing me more and more to the do something within the faith, right? So this whole this has been a pretty wild journey for both of us and we'll kind of unravel that with time, but yeah, this is this is kind of a, a very quick snippet of where we are right now in our life and I think what we'd like to do over time is give you sort of a little bit more background, but that's just going to take many, many, many episodes. So where we are at right now is Joe is still working at the parish. I'm still at home, but we put our house up for sale a month ago, kind of leaving it all in God's hands and saying, you know, God, we're kind of, we ourselves discern that you want us to go to Rome. So we're just putting the house sale in your hands. And if you want us to go to Rome, please find a buyer. And if not, then just make it obvious and don't you know don't find anyone anyone to buy our house and actually there was a lady who came she visited the house twice yeah Uh, we have an eight acre hobby farm and I think she has horses so she was really interested in the whole setup that we have and uh, our house is pretty stupid but I think she's a single lady so our house is not really set up for a family so it's it's really a perfect fit and that was the I, I think a little wink from God to me she's actually francophone so I got to to, to meet her for a few seconds and we spoke French and that kind of gave me a little bit of peace about this whole mm. thing um so I she put she put in an offer we accepted it condition condition um with the condition of uh, having a home, home inspection. inspection first yeah pretty standard that's right. so that's where we are right now we're just waiting for the inspection to go through but if it all works out 
we're going to sell her our house. And, yeah. And end I, of January so far would be the uh, the closing date. So. And then and then I guess we'll keep you updated with the next steps. But this is this for, is just like a, a, a crazy little time for us just before the holidays. It's I'm phlegmatic, so I get very overwhelmed with everything and. I know there's just a lot of emotions yeah. and stress and everything piling up, so it, I, it's a lot to deal with. Yeah, and again, it's very interesting. Just again, I'm choleric, melancholic. That that pretty pretty evenly split mix, and for me, I'm just jacked up to get going on this. So it's <laughs> this is this is some of you might be able to relate to this, but again, <laughs> the frustration that can cause because even for us, again, when we when Jimmy have mentioned, we we you know we discerned it. I mean, this was it wasn't just that we talked about it. We prayed. You know, we did a 54 day novena, Pompe novena, three rosaries a day. You know, we're we're very intentional about discerning this together because again, the phlegmatic might be sort of overwhelmed by any kind of this you know change in change in the scenario that they're accustomed to. But for me, it's kind of like I'm already ready for the next adventure kind of thing. So where is that healthy balance? How does one come to that? Um, yeah, that's been a that's been a big learning for us. I mean, in my life, I've done crazy things. Like I, I, as soon as I met Joe, that was it. Crazy things were starting. Um, I um, I moved to Calgary right off university for him. Well, I guess to be close to him, and then we moved to Houston together. And I, every every time it was really hard for me to do these things. I was crying a lot. It was just a lot, but it all made sense, and I had peace with it. And the Rome thing, Joe has been talking about it for a while, and it never really made sense. It did not make sense, and mm. I really did not want to do it until we prayed that novena. And the way it works, it's it's 54 days. The first 27, 27 day. days is petition part, and then the, the second half is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And it's it's just it's beautiful how it happened. Maybe like a couple of days after the Thanksgiving, the petition part, I just got what I like to call overnight peace. Just all of a sudden, it all started to. It made sense, and it was still a lot to think about, but it just made sense. Yeah. And I really took it as it. All right, it makes sense. Let's just try and see if it works out. Yeah, and that's again, we'll we'll definitely speak about that more as time goes on because yes. that's uh, we, we mentioned when one thing I actually see a gap in sort of the whole. I mean, there's so many books on discernment, you know, um, Father uh, Father Thomas Gallagher, I believe he's um, I believe he's a Jesuit, but anywho, he's written a lot of books on discernment of spirits, discernment on God's will, so you know how to be a spiritual director, da da da. But uh, one of the challenges I see. And something we'd like to give some insight on is discernment as a couple, and this is this is pretty interesting. It's so just hard. you know, it, there were some points where I or I was kind of you know battling in my mind like, and again this this is maybe yeah this is kind of selfish and maybe not the right way to do it, but I I thought my will in some ways probably trumped hers, my wife's will in a, in a sense because like I'm going for a higher higher ideal here, you know. She's looking for comfort and stuff, but that's not that's that's not the right approach because that's kind of me doing my own thing, and just really leaving, me leaving her behind. But for some reason, and you know, I learned very quickly that's not right. But it's it's but it, how do you effectively balance that? Like again, her her phlegmatic primary and my choleric tendencies; these are completely opposed. So how in the world, someone who's more adventure seeking, willing to take risks, comfortable with that myself? you know, trying to help someone on the phlegmatic side and, and vice versa, help me out because you have it's because I can kind of say, well, I have this high ideal. It's good. But people would be like, is that reasonable? Where are we going to sleep? Where are we going to eat? And like, 
excellent questions, you know? Like, and then, and then I guess I kind of challenge you too at your current work. Okay, yeah, you, you, you want to leave yes. it, um, but did you do yeah. everything in your power to make it work before saying yeah. it's hopeless, you know? And that's important too, right? Because it's, that's where um, she has really helped out because I, yeah, I might just have like a flighty tendency like, well, there's no hope here. I'm just going to keep on going to the next thing. But, you know, she definitely called me out on that. It's like, well, if you're going to leave, you better make sure that you've said what you want to say. And there's no regrets because, yeah, I mean, I left my previous job, you know, a, a well-paying engineering job in oil and gas to work at this church. And that was that was pretty daunting. That was a bit um, um, terrifying. But there were no regrets of that decision. And so it's it's one of the mindsets doing this whole discernment, you know, helping each other with our strengths just so that we leave this situation. No regrets. At peace. Um, slow and steady. And it's a slow and steady process for sure. Um but all in the Lord's time, you know, it, it was interesting. Maybe I think we were chatting about even the Rome last year, but then we had our, our daughter and second daughter, Monica, and that completely fell to the wayside. But then it kind of came back and researched and like, you know what, this can actually happen for next year. And again, all these things kind of pan out in a sense that we, we, we were able to get a, a higher offer for our house, not as much as we wanted, but more than we invested in. It's like, okay, we're actually getting more money to be able to do this. Had we left earlier last year, probably wouldn't even have probably half the amount. So it's kind of like, you know, the Lord maybe in some ways puts these things down for whatever reason, but it's just all in his time. And just the fact that it researched so quickly and things are moving, do, 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 we kind of have it, you know, taken as a sign that maybe it is the next step. And and I I always work a lot with little signs. Like, I, I guess I call them like God's winks. I, I mentioned that earlier. Just I, I see little winks here and there and one of them that was really obvious that I could not ignore is I just totally randomly learned Italian in Sejep. And I Sejep guess, is what again? Sejep, oh yeah, sorry. Sejep is in between high school and university in uh, Quebec, the province of Quebec only. It's just two years of a pre-university program. And I took Italian as an elective and I just, I loved it because of my French and Spanish knowledge. I learned it very fast, very easily. And I just fell in love with the culture. So that was, I guess, a little like wink that I just couldn't ignore. So we're kind of we're kind of coming up to 15 minutes here. So I think you know, just to give a sense to folks, first 15 minutes or so, and we'll, that might change with time. We'll be like this. Me and my wife will be kind of going back and forth, and ideally, we'd like to share with you things that are happening with us in Italy, give you a sense of what's happening there, share some pictures, share a bit of our life, you know, just in case for those that are interested. Talk about discernment, marriage, all those things. Um, talk about what books we're reading. We'll try to introduce that as well because we like we both like we're to read. We're big readers. So yes. we like to share with folks what books we're reading, what's catching our attention. And then probably the second half, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes, it'll just be sort of, a, you know, what's what's on my mind kind of thing. So Joe's rant. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep that kind of lively entertaining for folks. So stay tuned for uh, more episodes and we'll, we'll, we'll now go to uh, Joe's rant. Now listen to the Maybe it come from Italy And I can sing like Farinelli I think it's plain to sing Some people say that the great Yeah, these are going to be pretty random topics, sort of what's been on my mind, what's sort of the, the thing that's kind of um, itching at my heart. Um, a lot of the... One, one thing I kind of always... Am, mindful of right now and looking at the church right now it's um a lot of a lot of division a lot of camps kind of cropping up within the church um what do i mean by that again i i tend to be definitely a little bit more traditional i love the the old church and you know 
nothing against sort of the 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 stuff the newer stuff that has you know quote unquote popped up but I definitely have maybe more of a slant towards that so I'm I love reading you know old old school books Thomas Aquinas those kinds of things those are things that pique my interest the uh, old saints too the old saints I'm a big big saint buff I mean that's that's sort of my my bread and butter um, but you know we definitely do see a shift right now in the church um, you know post Vatican II around the more you know, definitely a more pastoral focus, definitely a more people focus. Very, very different um, from what we've probably experienced in the church. You know, probably maybe the first, and I would almost kind of say like we're at a point right now where, and especially now Pope Francis, where I think it's probably maybe maybe one of the first sanguine popes we've maybe encountered, as far as I know. Um, a little, a little parenthesis here. I just want to mention that there's a theory that Jesus was perfectly all four temperaments so sanguine phlegmatic melancholic and choleric he just had all the qualities of them but none of the the, the, the faults the flaws, the flaws yeah. yeah so um i guess that's what an, a saint like a person striving for sainthood should should move towards getting closer to um yeah just working on all the good stuff and all uh, the good stuff so yeah and that's and that's yeah that's a very important point i mean we look at you know, you look at St. Ignatius, for example, they, they would claim him to be very choleric, but some people, you know, as he matured and grew in holiness by grace, people would say he almost kind of reflected like a phlegmatic, kind of being dispassionate in a sense, which for a choleric, melancholic, very heavily passion-driven to be kind of docile like that, there's something there. And especially for myself, too, I mean, you know, uh, the, the joyfulness of the sanguine sort of rubs me off. I mean, I don't, I don't know why they're always <laughs> smiling, but... There, I love that. I don't know what's. I love that. It makes me so comfortable. I don't know what's. There's. I don't know what's funny. Um, so that's that's my like my pure kind of like. Why are you smiling? There's nothing happening. Because you're, you're you're an even split melancholic cleric. Yeah, so yeah. That rubs your your melancholic side. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just I don't understand it, but but you know it's very important for us to kind of really see how each of our temperaments in a sense, especially as, you know, I'd like to say the melancholic choleric are very similar than the, which are more principled, truth focused, whereas the phlegmatic sanguine are very people focused, how this has created an unnecessary rift um, within the church in terms of, for the most part, if no, if you're, if, and this kind of ties very well into the image of the body of Christ, if, you know, if you, th you know, you as the hand think that everyone else should be a hand, um, and you decide that within the church that everyone should be hand and act like a hand, um, that's actually not very good because it's almost kind of disrespecting the gifts, the skills, the talents that the other sides have. And But the thing is, both parties are culpable for this. And again, some people are like, okay, one person, for example, that comes right to mind is um, Michael Boris, for example. Um, for those who don't know him, he's a... Church militant. Church militant. He does um, YouTube videos and yeah, articles. Yeah. Oh, and He's very, very on the traditional side of things. Yeah, very much. And again, a lot of people, um, I would say kind of on the, let's say the people-focused type spread there, really don't like him. Um, he's, again, the people will say he's too brash. He's he, just... He, he rubs me the wrong way. I, he, I, at least he used to. He's. I, I, I thought he lacked charity in the way he says things. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, I. But one thing, like one thing that, yeah, I've, I don't know. I mean, there's that, there's, that was that was my first thought that came to mind. There are I, there are some pros and cons. Um, I think in style and approach, but I would say that I I understand him in a sense because when I do appreciate 
you know, clarity. I do like sort of just like, you know, firm truths, getting to the nitty-gritty. I don't like ambiguity. So I, I see that zeal in him, and that's something I respect as a as sort of one who is kind of more principal people-focused. But um, what can happen, though, is if, if we begin to kind of, you know, surround ourselves with people who are like us, as we begin to forget sort of the uniqueness of each role, each person's role within the body of Christ, you see this very, very like evidently that like one camp will begin to believe that they are the fullness of the body of Christ and be kind of almost completely oblivious to anything else outside of that. Again, you know, but then you look at the other extreme too, for example, and you could say maybe someone like someone who's pretty controversial on the other camp, someone like Father James Martin, right? It's kind of, again, maybe this is this is kind of you know only only person focused and none of does it seems like he doesn't care about the truth about you know the the, the authority to the church and and all that very important stuff yeah he just wants to open his arms to everybody and i'm sure it stems from a good intention but then intention doesn't necessarily make it right either no that's right so this is kind of in the the other extreme where um yeah for the sake of people sacrificing all principle. And I, you can maybe say, well, why the heck is Michael Boris getting so upset? Because within the body, that maintaining of the truth, the discipline, the order, that is very important to people like him. But at the same time, too, that that can never say, well, okay, we can't care for people. Of course, we have to care for people. But but that's that's not, I would say, even for myself, that's not a natural thought, right? Because I find even with myself, and I thank my wife for that, you know, being able to kind of, when I kind of get too principle focused, you know, kind of draws me up. But Joe, what about the people? Okay, but Joe, what about mercy? And it's kind of... I have, a, I have a, a very simple example for that. So our daughter, Monica, she's four months old. And she is undergoing the dreaded four-month sleep regression. So I, I have this feeling that it's just the phase. She used to be so, so, so good. We could just put her down. She was drowsy. She would, like, soothe herself to sleep, not a peep till... In, in the morning she would sleep through the night and uh, right now she's just she doesn't want us to put her down to sleep so for the last week or so she's been crying and and yesterday Joe told me like I just I just wish I could just like you know bring down the the law and just say like you're 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 tired just go to sleep like let her cry <laughs> let her cry she's just tired yeah. and and I guess for me it's just like okay yeah that's the that's the very objective truth but in a sense, I'm a mom. I know that she just wants to be comforted because she's not used to being outside in the outside world. She just needs to be close to mama, nurse a little bit longer. And we've already kind of see a yeah. bit of like improvement yeah. with that. So sometimes you need a bit of both. You do. And again, it's not it's not a common thing. But again, it's I guess each parent will kind of, you know, for me, it's kind of like, I get the sense she's not crying out of like it's just exhaustion crying. It's he just, thinks she's playing us. She has those like I, I, crazy schemes. She's just four months old. No, no. <laughs> I, I with my daughters, especially Teresa. Teresa has. Oh, Teresa is smart. She's been kind of maturing yeah. to be this little sneaky one. Again, we didn't we didn't really sleep during her until nine months. But like, yeah, I'm I I don't I have high expectations for my daughters that they're already kind of learning our patterns and, anyways, but again, yeah, that's very true. So this again relates to kind of how. How, how each of our strengths kind of, you know, not balanced and taken to extremes could be negative in a sense, right? You know, my wife, for example, this this sensitivity towards the crying, like, yeah, that's that's a good thing. But, we you know, when um, Teresa was nine months, you know, at, it got to the point where she would just cry um, 
my wife would go try and nurse her. She wasn't actually falling asleep. Well, it she was wasn't just... hungry. She wasn't even she wasn't even eating. She was just she just needed me to soothe herself back to sleep. Yeah. And I I thought okay we messed up. Uh, we need to rectify this. But at nine months it made more sense. It did, but I remember you coming in and then back into bed and you're like I can't do this anymore. So it's it's one of those things where again her her natural like okay I'll do anything and everything for this child. It was getting to the point where it's kind of like. It was, was doing it was doing some detriment to you. So then that's when like now it's my turn, and uh, and it worked out perfectly. Like it was you know we did the sleep oh. training. We helped, we toughed through it for like two two three, two days. Two days. And it was she's that's a perfect it. sleeper, right? So there again, all this and all this is just kind of going to you know trying to kind of this little micro example is I believe very pertinent to sort of the, the macro example we see happening within the church. And again, I, we don't want to be like this. This temperament thing is a religious, you know. It's like this religion, quote unquote. But I love the analogy of it compared to the body of Christ and stuff like that. And I find that something is it's it's completely lost. And you know, it's unfortunate because yes, people will hate Michael Voris, but like there is some good in what he's doing in a sense. I I, I admire I admire that. Now you can, he's he's really passionate about the truth and clarity. And that's especially important in our day-to-day where there's so much garbage, so much confusion about what is truth, what is who is Jesus, what is the true Jesus, where is Christ, what's the true religion. This is, you got to give it credit to these choleric melancholics who are so concerned about that. This is, this is so important for them. Well, because it's the age of the sanguines right now. It's the age of mercy, of pastoral care, which is beautiful because... I think it was maybe dis- like disregarded before a bit too much. So now that there's this new pope, I think people just like took it as this, this is our age. This is like where we're gonna push yeah. everything, yeah. and that that I don't I don't think that's gonna solve anything because I think there's just needs to be a healthy balance of everything. We need we need we need the whole body. Yeah, we do. Um, but that's that takes um takes a lot of humility, right? It takes a little bit of um, Saint Teresa of Avila, and again I'm um. I'll kind of talk more about this. I'm, I'm a, uh, in the preparation to be a secular discalce Carmelite, so I'm very, very drawn to sort of spiritual theology and stuff, um, in particular St. John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila. But they talk a lot about this self-knowledge, self-knowledge, knowing oneself, knowing, knowing your flaws, your strengths. Um, that's very important because the, 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 the the challenge here is that, yeah, I mean, the cleric and their zeal for truth can completely, and I know this for myself too, we can be completely disregard the person, right? We can completely disregard sort of the the um, the reality that there are, there are people in this, right? It's truth is one thing, but truth is kind of, you know, um, you can very easily kind of get lost in that without thinking about the impact on the person. But on the same spectrum too, the sort of the, the whole, and again, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff in my experience at the parish, you know, stuff, you know, renewal programs, divine renovation, all these things, you know, rebuilt. I'm very familiar with these things. Uh, again, beautiful in a sense of focusing very heavily on pe- people, keeping people in the community. Welcoming. Welcoming and stuff like that. But I do see a struggle there for me and well, like, you know, welcoming and being a community at, at some cost. There is some cost as a result of doing it, not being able, for example, to speak truthfully to people about the dangers of sin. They do so in kind of a wishy-washy way, but you can never, you never get too close, right? It's the, the idea of an individual no longer exists in this world. It's a community. For those of you who are like, you know, familiar with you know, different political systems, just, it just kind of smells a little bit to me like communism. So in, in a mild form, but this is, again, 
this is what happens when both sides unchecked, you know, you know, they could get to the point of being um, set of Vaticanists and just leaving, probably pronounced that wrong, but just disregarding all popes altogether, but on the other extreme, you know, um, disregarding all truth. So, you know, that's, that's an important thing for all of us to think about, to meditate on, and uh, pray just for that humility to see sort of the good that other people bring. Um, but at the same time, too, just because, you know, there are, you know, these extremes taken to their, to their wrong end can be damaging. So, I mean, it's not that, hey, everyone's now good. Well, no. A cleric gone unchecked and, you know, talking about truth that's not related to Christ, that's bad. A uh, sanguine who's kind of, you know, people-focused to the point of accepting, you know, um, the, the LGBT community, they can come and do communion, you know, while still doing the, the, the sinful acts, that's not good either. So there needs to be kind of this... And to be honest, I believe that's an idea that Christ maintained, as my wife mentioned, and that's an idea we all need to strive for. Again, it's going to take a lot of humility, a lot of grace, a lot of devotion uh, and help from the Blessed Mother, but this can be done. Thank you, Joe, for this rant. Um, as a last little thought, I just want to say that just bear with us. We're very new to this podcasting thing. We'll get better. We'll um, learn how this whole equipment thing works, and uh, hopefully we'll, it'll, be, it'll get better. So thank you for listening to us and see you next time. Yeah.